New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today, I'm hosting Lee Mars and Justin Zorn, co-authors of Golden, The Power of Silence in a World of Noise. I'm speaking with Lee and Justin at their home by remote connection. Welcome, Lee. Welcome, Justin, to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thanks, Justine. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure that you agree that our world is noisy and noisier than ever, and it's affecting our attention and even our health. So what have you discovered about the different kinds of noise that we're having to cope with today? Mm-hmm. We break down a taxonomy of noise uh, in the book. We thought it was important to parse these apart. Um, The world is noisier than ever, as you mentioned, Justine, and it's not just in our ears, but also on our screens and in our heads as well. So even though people have complained about the loudness of life forever, in the Epic of Gilgamesh, for example, the deities grew so tired of the noise of humanity that they sent a great flood to wipe us all out. <laughs> so you could say we've had a noise problem for some time. But it's an empirical fact that the world is getting noisier. We look at auditory noise that is measured in decibels most commonly, and we look at the proxy there as emergency vehicles that are needing to be loud enough to penetrate the surrounding sounds. So they're a good proxy indicator for what's going on. So in a comparison, looking at fire engine sounds from 1912 to present day, those are six times louder now just to cut through the surrounding sounds, getting up into the higher areas of decibel levels where it's actually damaging to the ears to be nearby. So that's the auditory noise, that which is in our ears, but also in our screens and in the informational world, we look at informational noise. So that which is laying claims on our attention, unwanted distraction in both cases, laying claims on our attention. So those are measured by bits of information. We mentioned Mihai Csikszentmihalyi who started us off on some studies with that, our attentional capacities, which are way more on demand. We're being taxed to our fullest in terms of what amount of information we can actually process through our attentional networks. So our ability to process information has not gone up, but the things grabbing for our attention has gone up exponentially. The former CEO of Google, Eric Schmidt, estimates that since the dawn of civilization to 2003, that amount of information is being replicated every two days today in our informational landscape. So that's an enormous amount of information that's grabbing for us. And then we look also at our internal soundscape. You could say the internal noise that our rumination, our worry, our anxiety, our depression, this is also on the increase. And Professor um, Ethan Cross at University of Michigan estimates that we have something like 320 State of the Union addresses running through our minds in compressed speech every day. So it's a loud environment in the auditory, informational, and internal ways. 
Lee, I want you to tell a story of yours that you included in your writing because I was so delighted by it. And I think our listeners can relate. It was a moment when you were going on a meditation retreat and you had really, really, really prepared yourself for it. And you had all these goals set up and everything. And so describe what happened there at the retreat and how you approached it and what busted you out of the noise in your head. So my teachers had often emphasized the need for a really clear intention when going into a, a meditation retreat to really focus on that intention. So I journaled like crazy. I found my you know area of focus and I had my cushion and I had my my zabuton, my zafu, and you know my little perfect wrap. And we were in the meditation hall all together meditating when a fly made its way into this otherwise motionless, <laughs> completely still and silent environment and landed on my head and then on the head of someone else and then on someone else and then back to me and then to someone else again and then back to me and my internal dialogue, you know, God, I had this intention. I'm sorry, everything's getting ruined by this fly. How do I kill this fly without these other meditators noticing? There was a lot of noise going on when eventually I just had to burst into laughter, seeing how seriously I was taking this task how I was not being in the present moment and instead kind of fueling this crazy talk inside. There were many voices going on, like kill the fly, don't kill the, can't kill the fly, they'll see you, you know, well, what about my intention, all these things, you know. So it finally broke me through. So I would say the teacher in that scenario was the fly, was without the question. Fly. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And this reminds me, Justin, you all mentioned that we've had 40 years of mindfulness practices to make us more productive or whatever it is. But when you talk about that kind of mindfulness, you're going beyond just quieting our thoughts. There's something else that you are pointing towards. Sure. We say in the book that mindfulness has undertaken this remarkable journey over the past 50 years, you know, from these remote mountain monasteries in Burma and Thailand, you know, to places like Apple and Google and the Pentagon, you know, and some of this is attributable to the fact that we as a culture are open to different mindsets, to different cultural influences from around the world. But one major part of it is that we all sense that pristine attention is so scarce and we need ways to cope. So Lee and I have both taught meditation in different contexts. It's saved our lives in so many ways, mindfulness. And at the same time, we've noticed this phenomenon where so many people in the world today are beating themselves up because, oh, I don't meditate enough. Am I doing it right? I don't feel like I'm able to get what I need out of meditation and I'm not able to keep up my practice. And it's become this kind of cudgel with which to beat ourselves up. So we we saw a book recently. It was published in 1992 by a Jungian psychologist, James Hillman, and a cultural critic named Michael Ventura. We've had 100 years of psychotherapy and the world is getting worse. So we say today, we've had 40 years of mindfulness and the world is more distracted than ever. This isn't a criticism of mindfulness or the people who can't keep up the practice. It's just an acknowledgement that any one-size-fits-all approach isn't going to be a perfect, enduring solution to this complex challenge that Lee just laid out 
of all of this noise in our ears, on our screens, in our heads. We all have different styles, different preferences, different levels of control and influence that we have in our own days and situations. So in this book, we do something unusual. We seek to give the reader, we seek to give anyone who, who's interested in this idea, in this book of silence, we seek to give license to let go of the rules and tools of mindfulness. And we propose a very, very simple idea. Notice noise, tune into silence. And we say that there are basically three levels to it. One, pay attention to all these diverse forms of noise that arise in life. The auditory noise, the informational noise, the internal noise, all these forms of interference with our perception and our intention that Lee described. And the second step is to notice the small pockets of peace that live in our lives in these little spaces. Seek them and savor them. And even if this silence only arises for two seconds, see how deeply you can go into this silence. Mm. And then the third step is to cultivate spaces of what we call profound silence or even rapturous silence from time to time. The silence that we can only access once a year, once a decade, maybe only once in a lifetime. But seek the kinds of silence that don't just change our states, but actually change our traits. I know that sometimes we can't escape the noise. And there's a part of your book, you say 33 ways to find silence. There are just wonderful ideas of how to find this silence. And one of them is to make friends with noise. And I just want to give you an example of, of my own life. And it goes back to flies. Oh, <laughs> excellent. It, goes, <laughs> it all went, does. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're really great teachers. Um, I went on a vision quest. And so I'm three days alone in the desert. And I'm really excited about, oh, I wonder what spirit animal is going to show up for me and so forth. And what shows up that first morning is a group of flies and they're buzzing around my head, and I think I'm going to go mad. I mean, I think, oh my gosh, I'm going to have three days of this. This is terrible. And one of your suggestions in this 33 Ways to Find Silence is to make friends with noise. And at some point, I just finally relaxed and started to deeply, deeply listen to the flies. Mm. And pretty soon I heard the music in their buzzing. It actually became a symphony of buzzing. And it was profound because I, I realized even in the worst sound environment you can imagine, it can be transformed in some way. So. Is this a little bit of what you're getting at about making friends with noise? Absolutely. You see how when you did welcome that noise in or invite some curiosity, some interest, some observation into how it transformed, when we marginalize something like noise in a harsh way, 
we can basically create a bigger problem in ourselves, right? We we marginalize it and then, then it becomes even more noisy, even more disruptive. So the poet and theologian Padraig Tuma suggested that we say hello to it. Just say hello to that noise. And in your case, you even stepped further in and even got a little interested in that noise and what was happening. And then it morphed and changed. And there might be something in there that noise is trying to tell us, to teach us, to show us that's of great importance. And if we can avoid that marginalization, we might actually get to learn. A big part of this is, as Lee alluded to, is discerning the signal from the noise. We write a little bit about, you know, as you mentioned, my experience teaching meditation in Capitol Hill. I also spent many years there as a policy advisor and legislative director for some members of Congress. You know, and working on Capitol Hill was like just this course in being able to discern the signal from the noise. Like, how can we get to a place where we could discern what sound and stimulus is really calling for necessary action? For example, the plight of, of immigrants or people fleeing danger or, or an environmental crisis. What is a real signal like that? And what is simply the noise of ego posturing and looking for the right platform to win the debate or winning Twitter or the social media? And there's so much noise right now. Mm -hmm. And one of the key elements we explore in this book is as the noise increases, as we're more distracted, as it's more difficult to discern what's true in our world, then there's more challenge. There's more of the signal that is really calling for help. So it's a dangerous feedback loop. And this really gets to the essence of why we wrote this book. In order to build a better world, in order to deal with a lot of the challenges we face, we need to overcome the noise. We need to turn down the dial of the distraction that interferes with true perception and intention. And this can seem like a very subjective effort, but there's a lot of work that we could do to make the noise of the world so much more manageable in a way that we're surprised people, irrespective of ideology and politics and background and lifestyle, tend to agree in talking with an extraordinarily diverse group of people. Dozens of interviews for this book with remarkable people in different fields. We've been so struck by how almost everyone is concerned and irritated by the levels of noise. And almost everyone has felt this refuge and renewal and silence. Mm -hmm. I'm really feeling into that, Justin and Lee, that what you are doing is going to a deeper level of what is required in these threshold times. The problems are big. Mm -hmm. You've acknowledged that. And so you're advising that to quiet down, to stop instead of clicking, clicking the next thing, go to the next uh, Google, whatever, or listen to the next, whatever, but listen internally. And out of that, there's a gift there. Am I starting oh, to get this? So getting it. Thank you so much for that. Really, that is the instruction for the readers. You'll drop deeper into what does it mean to notice noise, these different types of noise, auditory, informational, internal, and how they interplay in your lives to mitigate that, to learn how to turn down the dial and then to tune into silence 
And it could be tiny little slivers of silence. It could be bigger chunks of silence. It could be silence alone. It could be silence with family and friends, but to really cultivate an appreciation for silence so that we can discern the signal from the noise in our lives, what is true, what is important, what our intentions are, and how we want to spend this precious life on the planet. Oh, I just want to thank you both so much for being with us on the New Dimensions Cafe. It's just been such a pleasure to have you here and helping us to turn down the noise a bit. I've been speaking with Lee Mars and Justin Zorn. They're the co-authors of Golden, The Power of Silence in a World of Noise. And to find out more about their work, you can go to their website, astreastrategies.com. And I'll spell that A-S-T-R-E-A, astreastrategies.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you find over 1,700 programs. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.